0: The University of Essex podcast, your non-stop shop to learn
1: about our research, hit genuine student experiences and to get all your questions answered.
2: Welcome to Understanding University, the ultimate uni podcast. My name is Karina and I'm a collaborative outreach assistant at the University of Essex and I work closely with our Aspire and Aspire Higher programmes.
3: And my name is Katie and I work for the outreach team alongside Karina at the university. If you have any questions about any topics we discuss, please use the hashtag understandinguni on Twitter or you can email outreach at essex.ac.uk. When students attend open days they often hear about how different university is from their school experience Throughout our podcast, we have covered a variety of aspects such as independent study and course choices to explain how your studies and opportunities may differ. But today we wanted to delve deeper into the educational side of things, more specifically how the staff at a university differ from teachers in schools and colleges, Joining us today, we have two guests who are lecturers at the University of Essex. We are joined by Dr. Mike Rogerson and Dr. James Canton. If we start off with you, Mike, would you mind just introducing yourself, share a bit about you and your role at the university, please?
0: Uh, yeah, you've already said my, uh, my formal title, I suppose, but I'm a lecturer in uh, the School of Sport Rehabilitation and Exercise Sciences. So we've got courses like Sports and Exercise Science, Sports Therapy, physiotherapies under our roof too, and sports performance and coaching. So I lecture uh, on modules that some of those course uh, students have to take, uh, and I do other um, tasks in the school as well, as well as my own research.
3: Lovely. And um, could you tell us a little bit about your your pathway as well, just summarise how you became a lecturer too, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, like many lecturers, I did a PhD So, I spent three uh, to four years doing research into a a specific topic, which essentially was my grounding in in how to do research. Uh, And after that, I became a research officer. So, I was doing more kind of um, evaluation, applied research in the real world, um, but from an academic point of view. And then a progression from that was to become a lecturer. So, uh, lecturers are expected to do research as well as teaching. Uh, so, from our point of view, uh, in our school, we're interested in, in both of those, and the University of Essex more widely indeed is a, a dual-intensive university, so that means interested in both research and teaching. So, during my PhD in research officer time, I did uh, some teaching on our degree courses, so for me it was then a natural kind of uh, progression to go from research officer to being a, a full-on lecturer.
3: Thank you for that, Mike. And over to you, James, um, if you could just introduce yourself and also share your pathway as well, please.
1: Sure, Katie. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Dr. James Canton. So I'm um, what's called a senior lecturer in, the, in the, what we call the lifts department which isn't anything to do with lifts, but it's to do with literature, film, and theatre studies. But it also includes journalism, creative writing, um, you know, and wild writing, which is uh, what I have kind of have a specialism in. I have this great title. Someone gave me this great title, which is Director of Wild Writing at the University of Essex, which I like a lot. Um, yeah, in terms of my, my kind of pathway to becoming a lecturer, i um, Mike's is Mike's is a nice straightforward pathway. He's, he's a good guy. You know, he did, he's done it the right way. The way, the way you're meant to do it. Um, I was, uh, I was for many, many years. I did, I did a certain amount of traveling when I left university. Then I kind of went into secondary school teaching. So for many years I was teaching the good folk of London and Essex to, uh, to English and English literature mainly. Um, and I did that for like I did that for over twenty years. I was just trying to work out how long it was, but I couldn't even count up. And then, um, and then I, I did an MA, and then I did a PhD uh, part time, basically while I was still teaching. And and eventually, uh, I arrived as a full time lecturer at the University of Essex. That's
2: brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Um, in schools and at open days, many students are told that school teachers and university professors or lecturers are very different to each other but they don't really get told about how the roles differ um could you tell us a little bit about what the key differences are between a lecturer and a school or college teacher james
1: yeah sure karina yeah it's uh it's an interesting one i think I mean that you know, to to a certain extent, we have these kind of like uh, almost stereotypes that we imagine, like the lecturer being someone who kind of wanders around in long robes and uh, you know is very serious and, and is very kind of learned and is almost distracted from the world, whereas uh, you know secondary school teachers or six one teachers are someone I don't know, maybe that are a bit more personable, a bit more friendly. I'm not entirely sure that's that's a useful dichotomy you know, a useful divide, really. Um, you know, I mean, I was just thinking about the question and, and it's a good one. But I think I think the reality is that um, often in secondary school, you just spend all day with your teachers. You know, there might be a form tutor. You kind of hang out with them. You know, I used to I used to really enjoy being a form tutor and kind of, you know, that relationship that you build with your students. I think that's I think in some ways that's harder to do with a lecturer um, that we do have personal tutors and we kind of spend time and we kind of chat with, and you can, you know, I'd have certain sort of favorite students that would kind of come along. We'd have cups of coffee, you know, you can do that kind of thing, which is really nice. So it's a bit more of a, of a kind of grown up relationship. I think is the is a kind of better way of putting it. It's more like um, a straight sort of one-to-one relationship with another human being. Whereas, uh, you know, in secondary school, perhaps it's got that sense of, you know, the kind of the slight variance of the child to the adult it, to it as much as anything.
2: Definitely. Thank you for that. And Mike, would you like to add anything else?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose I can build on it just a, a tiny bit. I mean, James is the one that's uh, got the careers in, in both in both camps uh, to boot. But um, I think that it's kind of uh, almost an obvious point when, when uh, it's mentioned that at school, uh, you're largely as a pupil for forced to be there or it's, it's the it's the thing that is expected uh, whereas at university you've very much chosen uh of your own volition to go and do whatever you're doing at university so as a lecturer i definitely have the privilege i guess of, of coming into sessions with the assumption that everyone is really keen to be there and engage with whatever we're doing uh, and i guess i've never been a school teacher but i guess at school you can't make that assumption quite so quickly.
3: Yeah, exactly. Thank you for that. And, and to lead on from that as well, obviously comparing um, perhaps the, the timetables between school and uh, or college and, and university, because like you said, Mike, you have to be at school. You're there every day, roughly between nine and um, five days a week. Um, but university is um, slightly different. If you want to uh, just explain a bit about how a timetable structure works, um, for students, and maybe a little bit about how your timetable is reflected in that as well.
0: Yeah, uh, so if I jump in first, I guess, um, so James and I are from very different uh, schools in terms of what we're, we're teaching, so it might be slightly different, but from my point of view, the timetable normally in our school would be f- sort of consistent from week to week, um, because in each term, you're going to be taking certain modules, and most of those modules will, will have one or two things that happen every week. Um, The content for those sessions will vary, but for example, if you have a lecture one week, you probably have a lecture most weeks. Um, There's also, uh, again, kind of going to the assumptions and the the fact that you're keen as a student to to be here and be engaging with the course. I think lecturers um, have more availability to them to set readings, to set tasks that you're going to go and do. What you might consider as a student to be in your own time, but uh, one of the reasons for an absence of lectures all day long and other sessions all day long, where your timetable and you have to be there in a certain place at a certain time, is that a lot of uh, important parts of learning happen when uh, you're you're doing other things, either on your own or as a group, mm. and that's outside of that traditional kind of like teaching space, as it were. So, so the the fact that you're not in uh, lessons if you want to call them that all day is uh is a really important thing if you were just sitting and listening the whole time you wouldn't actually learn as much as if you have that variation and then from our point of view as as lecturers we uh we have various year groups various modules in each year that we're we're teaching so we have to change the kind of the knowledge hat that we have on any uh one time through the day and then when we're not doing that, we're doing things like meetings with students and staff meetings and uh, research activities and things like that.
1: That's really nicely explained, I think, Mike. I think the, um, the kind of life of the student is quite, I mean, that's that's one of those distinctions between perhaps school and, and university is that on an individual ex- experiential basis, you know, if you're an undergraduate say you might have you might have a lecture where you're kind of like sitting there a bit more passively like taking information in you might then have an hour break in your day where you go and meet some people and maybe are chatting about what you were doing last night and then chatting about what you were just in the lecture on and then you go and maybe have a seminar which is a much kind of more kind of smaller group maybe 10 of you sitting around sitting around a table chatting about uh, maybe it might be completely different sort of subject matter but it'll be within your your kind of overarching subject that you're studying at university and then again you know within that you might you might well be kind of chatting collectively you might you might then go together with or with with one of your friends might then head off to the library to get some stuff that you wanted to look up or maybe even physically get some books out that kind of thing because you because you're going to be writing an essay or you're going to do uh, you know you've got a powerpoint presentation to deliver in three days time on another aspect so there are these kind of crossover areas where in some ways it's like school or sixth form you know in some ways i think you know it's, it's sort of, sort of a stepping stone from kind of school where you have certain subjects that you're perhaps not so interested in six form. You've slightly bit more chosen what you want to do. And then at, at university, hopefully you're, you know, you're even, even more doing what you want to be doing. And the reason for being there is more obvious.
3: Thank you, James. And that kind of reminded me of my, uh, my own sixth form experience. I, I went to a sixth form and and you're right that there was a, a little bit of a progression from school where I was able to call my lecturers by their first name and there was a bit more independent study as well. So that is kind of like a little, um, a mini representation of what university might be like for you. And I'd also like to thank you for sort of um, breaking down the difference between sort of lectures and seminars as well, because that's what I was going to talk to you guys about, um, but I think what I'll I'll do is I'll ask you the next question, which is about um, your favourite methods for teaching um, at university level. Um, is there a particular subject that you enjoy talking, or is there a, a particular way that you like to teach at university level? Um, James, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Katie. Because there, I mean, there's kind of there's there's these terms that get thrown around. So a lot of people, I think if they don't know much about university kind of think, Oh, well you have these lectures. So you go into like a big room and you sit really quietly and someone down the front, who's like an expert, like does a really boring talk to you for an hour and you have to make notes. And then at some point you're going to get tested on it. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, so lectures are still used. I mean, it depends on what subject you're doing. So it, in in the lifts department, they you know we have literature lectures that I will I give occasionally. Um, they tend to be about fifty minutes, and I personally I always break them down into about twenty minute sections. So I never I'm never talking for more than twenty minutes, um, and even in, within that, I often do silly things like say, put your hand up if you've ever you know just trying to break it down a bit because I think the old system of this kind of very rigid lecture lecturer kind of audience mode doesn't really work uh, any anymore. And then in, in a subject like creative writing, which is mainly what I'm teaching, we don't have lectures. We have seminars, which is the kind of the other, the other format, which is, as I say, it's a kind of smaller group thing, uh, more collective, more kind of um, conversational. I mean, even within a seminar, I might be, you know, opening up discussion by doing a 10 minute talk about something, you know, but within that, I think the students would be for, feel happy to kind of and I'd say like interrupt if you don't get something and you know it's slightly more informal but we also have things like workshops where where you would um, you'd be kind of discussing maybe a certain style of writing uh, start a way of writing uh, and then you would I might introduce that style show a couple of examples and then and then the students would actually be you know physically, writing for maybe 20 minutes i might say okay okay guys we've all, we've all got 20 minutes now we'll write a couple of paragraphs then we might read them out share bits you know in pairs bigger groups might get people to come up and put them up on the, uh, on the whiteboard in some way, you know, that kind of thing. So that's a workshop, um, which, again, you get more in, in more creative subjects. Uh, you, get, you get the workshop being used, so drama classes, you know, obviously then film, they have kind of more practical, even more practical sessions of kind of working with equipment, et cetera. So, you know, quite a bit of variance, uh, which, again, reflects a little bit the teaching styles.
3: Yeah, definitely, and I think that is so important to mention because obviously every course will be different, yeah. um, and that's why we like to encourage students to to when they're doing their research to. To look at the courses and look at the assessment methods and and how the modules are taught. Because for someone who excels in um, perhaps exam-based assessments, then then that would be a more suitable course for them. And and the same in terms of teaching methods as well. If you want to be getting nice and practical with your course um, and doing lots of workshops and things, um, then you want to make sure that you're, you're getting that from the course. So, yeah, thank you for that, James. Mike, did you did you want to add anything about your your area?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just briefly, you're totally right. Different uh, courses will have different kinds of methods that are used, different sessions that are put on, and even the different modules you will take within your course. So, for example, in, in our school, if you're taking sports and exercise science uh, in your first year, at least you have uh, sports and exercise psychology. You also have biomechanics, which is completely and utterly different. So, uh, in biomechanics, uh, you might be more likely to have lab sessions where we're in a lab using specialist cameras and uh, markers on the body to to look at how joints move Uh, whereas in psychology maybe that's where you would have relatively more lectures and uh, yeah different uh, types of information come across well in different formats and also thinking of efficiency there's a reason why the old school if you like lecture has held on and partly that is due to efficiency so as a lecturer I can almost a story of information on a topic from lots of different places and put it into one kind of neat uh, presentation for you. Uh, but also the number of students I can deliver that to at any one time. I've got two hundred and fifty students in one of my modules. So uh, if I ran uh, seminars of only ten students on that particular module, we'd be here all term trying to just cover a small amount of content. So so is that uh, looking at what kind of content is being delivered and therefore what session is is best for it and that kind of. Uh, talks back a little bit to the uh, the point I made about the times where you don't have a, a session on. So on a Tuesday afternoon, you might not have any sessions timetabled. Well, that's because part of the learning uh, comes from maybe reading or doing a task or or writing something. So
1: uh, so yeah, we we've considered that in the way that the, the modules are delivered. It's a really good point that Mike's making. That the lecture. Uh, does have a place you know I'm not I'm not uh, disparaging it so in literature for example what you might get is you might within a module um, you might get a lecture on on a book so say you're looking at war and peace or something you know one of the the kind of greatest books ever you know you get a lecture which kind of introduces it introduces some of the complexity might talk about the plot historical background etc and then you'd get a follow-up seminar where you where you could kind of sit in a smaller group and kind of go, well, I've read the book, but I really didn't understand the first chapter. or I didn't understand like what Tolstoy was doing with this character, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got a kind of more um, a kind of closer feel, more informal chance to discuss the material that's been introduced in a lecture. That's often the way that modules are structured.
2: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Thank you so much to both of you for that. Um, Now, normally students would wait until their sort of new academic year actually begins in September to start working. Um, University is definitely very different and it is a very unique experience. And most students will have a chance to sort of get a little bit of a head start before actually arriving at university. Um, Mike, why don't you start us off with what sort of tips would you give to applicants ahead of starting their course? um, And why would you give those tips?
0: Yeah, it's a useful thing to cover, actually, in this, uh, given the the likely stage of a lot of people that are going to listen to it. So before the course starts, I would definitely, um, I mean, you you probably should have done this before you actually enrolled on the course in the first place, but make sure you're aware of what modules are actually included in that course. What are you going to be doing in your first year? Are there any things in there? Like I mentioned, uh, sports and exercise psychology is uh, something on one of our courses that you're going to be looking at. Now, if you know that that's something you've come across before and actually struggled a little bit with, then maybe this is a chance just to kind of get yourself up to the best uh, standard of understanding you can before it, it kicks in with the course content. Um, so you can either um, revisit old stuff you know you've kind of struggled with before and you've got a hunch it's going to come up. You could inform that hunch a bit better by your main department and saying, look, I've actually got a three or four week or whatever period between finishing my summer work and the course starting which books would you suggest I I look at for the psychology module Um, or you could email lecturers specifically even to uh, ask them uh, what for their module would be a good place for, for you to look before things get started so I definitely yeah would advise look at what's involved
1: maybe do a bit of reading just to get up to speed
2: that's great thank you so much and James would you like to add anything else at all
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, just as Mike's saying, really, I think, you know, uh, having the online facilities these days, is just so much easier, you know, rather than, uh, you know, when I was going to university pre uh, interweb thing, uh, you know, you just had to kind of like find certain books. You kind of I can't even remember how we did it. I mean, I genuinely can't. Whereas now you just you just search whatever site, uh, whatever site it will be. University of Essex literature department or whatever and there'll be reading lists there'll be details about your module there'll be you know your lecturers uh and uh you know module supervisors email addresses all there it's just all there for you so you know that's that's the simple way of going about it i would suggest yeah
3: Lots of universities also provide transition courses for students before they start at university. And at Essex, we have the pre-university course, which is an online set of sessions, which supports students with study skills, introductions to the university and help them to make them feel part of our community before they start. Um, So lots of students going to university um, might not know what the expectations are from a lecturer's perspective on them some might think that completing their homework and ensuring coursework deadlines are met is sort of the standard expectation um what would you say you value in a student to make them stand out um james
1: okay yeah well i'm glad you mentioned that katie the uh yeah i think you know as much as you can go to go to everything that you can you know, go to seminars, go to lectures. You know, we have this fantastic facility normally with most of those classes that you can listen again. So it might you know, I mean, there'll be circumstances where maybe you can't go to something. You know, you've got a dentist or I don't know, something, you know, uh, don't worry about it. You know, really don't worry about it because uh, we're used to that as well. But if you can go to everything, I'd suggest, you know, as we're saying, read as much as you can widely around your subject area you know be enthusiastic be excited by your subject you know like get into it you've got normally you've got three years maybe four you know, get into it, like really throw yourself at it. You know, it's a fantastic opportunity to, to just really do something exciting and different. You, you're kind of stepping into the into a big kind of grown up world, if you like. Uh, and I think that's the best thing. You know, one of the key criteria on all our marking schemes for creative writing is originality. You know, that is such a difficult, it's like such a difficult thing to teach. It's such a difficult thing to kind of, I don't know, almost define because originality is all about reflecting on what already exists in the world. But, you know, try and be original, you know, like be confident and be happy and be original is like, you know, it's easy to say, but at university, that is what we're looking for. I think.
3: Mm. Yeah. And, and just as a reminder for our listeners as well, coming to university, you are co- taking complete ownership of your education. And um, so, yeah, be confident, take, take responsibility for it because um, you've got all these opportunities in front of you. That's what the university are offering. Seize them and make the most of it. Your lecturers aren't going to be there to say like, hey, why are you not here at this seminar? Unless Mike's now going to tell me that he <laughs> he pesters his students.
0: No, uh, no, simply because um, if if I chased up every student every time uh, they weren't at single session then that'd be my entire job I wouldn't have the time to actually deliver any content so no my, my um, what, what value in student what I expect of students um coming to study at university are uh, to fundamentally realize that you are here with the motivation desire to master the subject you've chosen and I will admit I didn't realize that when I was an undergraduate student I didn't. I was I was here partly because it was a rite of passage. I was interested in the subject, but that was about it. If you can realise and therefore engage in a way where you decide, I'm going to master this subject in three years or to the best of my ability, then that will put you in good stead. I realised it during my masters. For a lot of students, what I advise is Treat it as much like a nine to five job as you possibly can. Now, most people come to university, have got some uh, friend that they uh, have who has not gone to university, they're going and doing uh, a regular job of some kind. Uh, so my thought is if you put in the same number of hours that they do, then you're on the right path. Don't be tempted, as we said earlier, looking at a timetable and think, well, I don't have anything Tuesday afternoon, therefore I don't do anything on Tuesday afternoon. Um, no, obviously it's up to you to be flexible with your time and all of that stuff. But put the put the hours in to, to master that subject, and also just James touched on originality, which is a great point. In mastering a subject, you will get to a point where you start to have opinions and develop your own thoughts and arguments and preferences about stuff, and that's really what we we would like. We don't want you to just regurgitate some um, jumping through a small hoop type answer like might be more like school education, here's the answer, tell me it again and then I'll give you a tick in the box. If you can show you understand, but have maybe gone off and drawn on a few different ideas, not just what I said in the lecture, then that shows me you've got understanding. So, So that's my advice, put the hours in and understand the topic.
2: Thank you very much for that, for both of you. Um, and just before we finish things off, I have one final question um, for each of you. So we can start with James. And it's um, just, could you tell us a little bit about the research that you have done or you're currently sort of looking into, just to let our listeners know a little bit more about you and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks,
1: Karina. Yeah, so like kind of officially half of my time is not teaching or doing admin stuff He's officially doing what we call research which goes as mike was saying earlier it goes across the university so i'm i try and spend as much of my time as possible uh writing that's sort of what i do so i've just uh i've actually today is publication day of the paperback edition of my latest book the oak papers Check it out, buy it for your grandparents, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, which is all about uh, spending time next to an an ancient 800-year-old oak tree, and about kind of how oak trees and humans have always existed in close proximity and this kind of thing so this is this has been my latest book and uh, aside from that I'm I'm uh, I've I'm cuz I come from London originally I'm a bit of a like London kid really and uh, and I moved up to rural Essex where I now live and uh when I moved up here I actually bought a little field that's like it's a nice little small field anyway. So the last few years, what I've been doing is is rewilding this field. So this is this is also what I'm up to. And I've been writing about that process as well. So that's very much what, what is in my mind at the moment, planting wildflowers and then writing about them when they eventually arrive, hopefully. And uh, my research uh, kind of
0: areas or uh, main area, I guess, is looking at uh, the the role of the environment for exercise and predominantly psychological outcomes and people's behavioral choices to do with exercise, so it doesn't matter where you where you uh, go for the exercise. Um, so i interested in that. I've collaborated actually, funnily enough, with James on some stuff that kind of lies um, overlap between the two things we've just mentioned. And recently, uh, as I'm in a sports and exercise science kind of uh, area, I have looked into started looking into video assistant replay decisions that are made in, in football. So the introduction of technology in football.
1: Uh, so I've started to uh, do a few things into that, which is very topical. Yeah. And I should add that Mike is one of the heroes of my book, The Oak Papers, because he's one of the people that I interview uh, uh, for the book. So uh, that's quite nice, actually. Nice little crossover, Universal University yeah, kind of nice. crossover going on there. Yeah. you've Touched yeah. on a
0: collaboration just in who you've decided to ask for, uh, for doing this podcast. Yeah, exactly.
3: It's um, it's so lovely to hear and and thank you so much for sharing those um, your your research and things because when I was at university, I had no idea really that the lecturers were doing that in the background, and it's really nice to know because um, if a student is interested in your research as well, I guess they can support you or you can support them um and that again more collaboration it's brilliant um so that yeah thank you both for that
1: absolutely katie yeah
0: yeah i think it's just um just to finish off that's a really important point actually i do think students should be aware of if they're going to an institution where certainly like at university it's dual intensive but um if not even if uh, just be aware of if your lecturers do research because the, the benefit of that is that you're getting up to date knowledge. You're not kind of having people taking a book and trying to teach you from it. You're you're being taught by people who write the books and do the research to inform the writing of those books. So that's a real um, thing to infuse in. I think is that you are uh, often on the kind of the cutting edge of understanding in a particular area that you're learning about.
3: Yeah, excellent point. Thank you. And that also that leads me on very nicely, actually, to um, to to say to our listeners that it's so important to do your research when you're looking for your, if you the course that you want to study at university, and then obviously the, the university you actually want to study at as well, do look at that, um, that research, see what academics will be teaching the subjects you're interested in. Perhaps they are studying a research area that, that interests you or you are already maybe looking into. And, um, At the University of Essex, we have lots of live and pre-recorded talks that you can access on our website. Um, So you can get a little taster of lots of the courses that we offer. So you'll be able to see what it's like to study at undergraduate level as that is like a little step up from school and college um, so you'll be able to see what it would be like and also potentially get to know some of the academics on um, in the departments that you're looking into and you can do that from the comfort of your own home um, because it's um, they're all online and you can find them on our schools and colleges webpage if you go to the talks and tasters page i'd just like to say a massive thank you to Dr. Mike Rogerson and Dr. James Canton for joining us today um, to share a bit about your lecture lecturing experience. Um, it's been incredible to hear what you guys do, how you teach, and I really hope that our listeners um, have have taken all your words of wisdom on board. Thank you again. You're
1: very welcome, Katie. Thanks. Yeah, thank you.
3: If you have any questions about this episode,
2: don't forget to send them in via Twitter using the hashtag UnderstandingUni or send an email to outreach at essex.ac.uk. Additional resources will be posted on our website and sent to you via email if you're a registered listener. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to share with your family, friends and colleagues.
0: The University of Essex podcast. Research, experience and information.